two to go. Trip to the Sweet 16. Katie's got it. Rises up. The shot. And it's gone! It's gone! Wisconsin has won it! And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best in all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say it was Saturday night. Welcome to Bucky Cast, a Badger podcast by the fans, for the fans, with the fans, where we promise to never talk about Tyler Hero. Seriously. Ever. And now, here's your hosts, John, Justin, and Ryan on Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome to Bucky Cast episode three. This is Justin. I'm here with John. How's it going, folks? And Ryan. Hey guys, what's going on? And today we are going to discuss the return of Lauren Bowman Jr., a future point guard for the Wisconsin Badgers. Miles Burkett, the quarterback commit for the 2022 class. Our each individual spring concern regarding spring football, which will be starting on March 20, March 30th. And the Wisconsin hockey team who took home the Big Ten title today. Ooh. And yeah, that's what I like to hear, guys. Listen to that excitement from John. <laughs> from All right. That was a moose. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he snuck in. He must have had some of that. That what Watucky snacks or whatever beer you were talking about? <laughs> the Montucky cold snacks <laughs> brewed right here in Wisconsin for the fine people of Montana. <sighs> but we're gonna go ahead and get rolling here. We're gonna start out with Lauren Bowman news. He was somebody who was part of the 2021 class. He was not one that showed up on campus. Uh, due to some issues, or he was, to be fair, he did show up on campus, uh, had some some personal issues that he left for the season. There was concern that he might not be coming back. Uh, we, we went a very long period of time without any news with this basketball season, and we got some great news earlier this week that he will be returning in June for the men's basketball team, which means he will take part in summer conditioning and will be ready to roll for this fall. So, without further ado, guys, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, nothing nothing but good thoughts on this. Uh, we really could have used Lauren Bowman this year. Um, just not only from a depth standpoint, but just the, the quickness that he brings on the court. Uh, I don't know that he's a true um, distributor of the ball, but he definitely brings a, a set of quicks and some defensive intensity and Wisconsin definitely could have used that um, this year. One of my favorite comments with uh, this thread, I was reacting to the news and I saw some other Badger fans on one of the message boards talking about it. And one of them, one of the fans said, could he suit up this weekend? You know, so there's definitely excitement about, listen, at the end of the day, there are not enough good players on this team right now. And we can discuss, we've talked about why that is and, and what's happened, but so all, all the players we can get that are good, legitimate players, we can use the depth, as, as John said. I totally agree. I think he's probably more of a combo guard down the road. I don't see high-level athleticism. When you watch film, I don't think there's high-level athleticism. He's not a big, big body. But he can score from all three layers. He gets to the rim. He has a great mid-range shot, which is unusual for a high school player. He can hit threes. He has a long wingspan, so defensively. I think he's going to get in passing lanes. I think he's going to fit with what we do defensively really well from a schematic standpoint. So 
No, this is great news. We've added a touted guard back into the, our future rotation. I think he's going to play a lot. I don't think there's a super high ceiling with him, but I think he's got also has a very high floor. So uh, this is absolutely good news. See, I I view it differently. I actually really like his game. Uh, I think he's a guy who is much more athletic than what we're used to having at that that position, whether it be you know hybrid between the point guard and shooting guard. He's a guy who has a good handle. He is definitely has a strong mid-range game. I, I think he can get to the rim. Is he a guy that's going to be going up and throwing down dunks? No, I don't think he's going to be that. But I do think he's a guy that can take his man off the bounce and get to the hoop. Um, I think he will be a solid shooter. The guy who I compare him to who kind of fits what I see when I, I look at him is by the time he leaves here, I think he could be a Luther Head type guard. He's a guy who I think his shooting will come around and he'll develop. He's not super big, but he's a guy who can give you probably 10, 15 minutes at the point if you need him to slide into that. But he's also a guy who is athletic enough to play at the shooting guard position and to not be a problem there. I am hoping. I think he'll be a plus starter. I'm hoping for a Michael Flowers type type player out of Lauren Bowman. Um, if, If anyone remembers Michael Flowers. Um, you know, he, he's, I think he's got a very similar, I would love to see him be that kind of defender. Uh, yeah, I, I really think that his, he has a defensive intensity that, that I like and the speed that he has is, is what really stands out to me. Wisconsin doesn't really didn't have that this year. There was no one who just jetted out into the lanes and picked passes off and would, could pick a guy's pocket. I think we can all agree. Do you okay to use? I guess Davison would be a comparison here. Do you see him as an upgrade, Ryan, to to somebody like Davison? I mean, maybe not right away. Standpoint. No, maybe not. Right, I'm, not right ta- I'm not talking. I'm not talking skill. I'm talking from, from like, a phys- physical, physical athleticism standpoint. I, well, so I think there's a lot of components into athleticism. I think I, I mean, realize that. Yes. Yeah, you know, Davison's bigger. Davison's six four. You know, I think. Bowman's a couple inches shorter than that. He's got longer arms. I would say from a physical standpoint, just pure physical tools, yeah, he's probably better than Davidson. I don't think it's a giant jump, though. I When I watch the film of Bowman, I don't see a guy who's a plus athlete for a major Division One guard. I, I don't. I don't see great speed or great hops. I see enough. Like I, I think the athleticism's there to be a good player. I don't think it's a major athletic jump. Oh, I, I have some news for you guys that I found out from an inside source. Brad Davison used to play quarterback in high school. Are you sure? And I, I'm I am 100% sure this source is is impeccable. So um, I I really do think that um, you know he he may not be the junkyard dog that Brad Davison is, but I don't know that he has to be, and I don't think that's going to be the role that he's asked to perform. I think he's more going to be a, a player out there to put some juice in the game. And Wisconsin, like I said, they just don't have anybody who does that right now. And that is something that we really missed this year. And by we, I mean the Badger basketball team. Uh, so, Davis is probably the closest, right? So what yeah. you're, what, to what you're, you're describing, Davis is probably the closest. Probably, but I, I bring, don't know that yeah. he's got the – I don't know that he's got the, the as much quicks as uh, Bowman does. I mean, he does. Davis is a, obviously going to be a great player. Um, I just think Bowman's Bowman's more of a, I don't want to say a water bug because I think he's six, two, six, one, six, two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so six Davis two. is, Davis is taller and can throw it down. 
Uh, Bowman, I see just as a, a disruptive presence out on the perimeter. More of a disruptive presence, I should say. See, I look at it this way. I, I watched the film with him and Julian Roper being on the court, and I I thought that Bowman was the better player. Like I, I, I saw both of them play, and I'm I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, it looks like he's the more aggressive, dominant player out on the court. What if he's, he's a guy? Finished, what if he's a more finished product at this age? Because when I watch him, I I see a high school player that's really advanced for a lot of what a lot of high school kids do. Like he has a lot of dribble drive moves. You guys talked about his golf the bounce. He can get to the mid range, which a lot of high school kids can't do. He knocks that shot down. He has floaters. He can finish at the rim with the left or the right hand, which is really crafty. He has a really nice step back. Like, I see a guy at high school that is really controlling the tempo of the game, looks like a student in the game, understands where he's going, sets people up, has a ton of different offensive moves. Just the only issue is sometimes at the college level, the athletes catch up to that a little bit. And I just don't think he's a great athlete. For, for I'm talking for a major Division One guard. I, it, it depends on what you're looking for in terms of a ceiling there. Is he going to be an NBA guy? I don't know if that's that's anywhere in his book. But that being said, I think he's the type of guy who can definitely be a starter and can definitely be a potential plus to good guy who's pushing for all conference honors. If he hits his ceiling, if he goes all the way through, I think he's a guy who will be a scorer who can get to that mid teens. And I think that he'll be, he'll be a guy who's a good teammate. I think he'll score. I think he'll shoot well from three. I don't know if he'll ever be a guy you look at as a sniper, because I'm not sure he's that type of shooter. He's not going to be a guy who I see that's going to be a lot of, you know, pick and pop or, or probably a guy who's coming off of screens to shoot threes. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be dribbling into it. He's going to be more, I think, here's what I envision. I think him and Hepburn are going to be somewhat interchangeable there. They'll, if they If we truly want to get out and run more, I think it's going to be a matter of whoever's there and they're going to toss it to him and say, go. I think Hepburn's a more dynamic scorer and passer than Lauren Bowman is. I think he's more physical and has more athleticism. That being said, I do think that he's the more point guard centric player out of the two of them by far. But I think that Bowman offers more in terms of scoring ability. But the issue then with Bowman is if Hepburn's the guard, point guard, Bowman's a 6'2 off guard. It just gets hard to play without too much size in the backcourt if your off guard is 6'2. I, but either way, like the, the bigger point is Wisconsin's a, a better, we're all happy. Like Wisconsin's a better, we're kind of picking apart his game to some degree, or maybe I am. I don't mean to be like, this is good news. Like getting Bowman back is a big deal. Like we need more depth in backcourt. And I definitely think he brings in elements of offensive creativity to our, our game that we don't have. Well, here's, here's a, somebody to throw out there. Do you think that he can be better than Bruss was? He can definitely depends be better on than what Bruss we're was. talking. It depends on what we're talking about. He's not going to be the shooter. Yeah, but that doesn't I mean, mean he will be. He will score in different ways, but I don't think that he's. But Bruss is only what six two. Defensively, he should be better than Bruss. Six one. Defensively, he should be better. So he was a six um, one off guard, but he was a better shooter. He was a, he was but, a great shooter. Yeah. yeah. But Bowman offers much more in the ability to attack the rim, so he'll create his own separation. He'll likely have an easier time being able to rise up it's because gonna be the guys hard. aren't going to be able to sit on him. It's going to be hard in Wisconsin's offense to put guys out there who are just around the around the edge who are just decent shooters. That that may become a problem. And if we don't have anybody who evolves into a really good shooter, it's going to weigh down Wisconsin's offense a little bit. I feel like we'll get there with certain guys. I think Hepburn's going to be a plus shooter by the time he's a few years in. I don't know if he'll ever be an elite shooter, but I think he's going to be a guy that you have to to show on. I think that Ilver will be a guy who is going to be a good shooter, and that may be all he is. 
I think he's athletic enough to get by. He could end up being uh, who is our boy on the uh, 2015 team that Do had a cup of coffee? Gone? Yes, I think that that can he can definitely hit that level. And I think if that's what he becomes, you have a guy who who can snipe the three and is a little is a little streaky, but also has some athleticism to get to the rim every once in a while. Um, I think Moore's will be a good shooter. I don't know if he's a guy who's going to be taking a ton of threes. I think he's got a very skilled game, um, but I think he'll he'll be solid from the outside. So I don't think what we're going to see here is we're going to have a lot of guys who can shoot, but they're not a guy who you want consistently going out and that being the only thing that they try to do offensively. They're going to be much more versatile scorers, which if you look at the way that our team was on that 2015 team, we had a lot of guys that could score in a lot of ways. They could either go to the hoop or they could pop it out. And I think what that does is that opens up to make the shots easier. So our percentages rise simply because guys are getting cleaner looks. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you still need somebody to orchestrate it. And I don't, that would be my biggest concern going forward. I don't know if I see a, a real point guard on the roster uh, going forward with Hepburn. I, I think Hepburn's a guy if one of them is. I, I, I would say that that's pretty much what Hepburn has been recruited for. Yeah, I think he needs is, to be that guy. He's a true point, so... He needs to be that guy. And it better Bowman be a true point or otherwise we've just recruited a bunch of guys who, right, you know, exactly. we, Wisconsin needs a true point guard. Yeah. It's gotta be Hepburn. Honest to I don't think it's going to be Bowman. I, I, I think he'll be that. I think, I mean, what's the, what is, what is his floor? Athletically his floor, I guess would probably be Jordan Taylor from an athleticism standpoint. I'm not talking about what he was to the program and what he accomplished, but a strong guard who is not necessarily a guy who is explosive, but can bully his way a little bit. And I think Hepburn can be that type of guard if he if he does nothing else but just stays keeps his frame and stays strong and is a physical defender. Wait, as um, his floor for yes. for David? For meaning meaning physically. I'm not talking about skill wise yeah, or anything you, like that. Yep, I'm saying that he can be a big strong guard that you use to defend. Now, for, if we're talking skills and tools, I think that he's a little quicker and more explosive than Taylor was and has a higher overall ceiling that he potentially could reach. I don't necessarily know that we'll see a huge difference in terms of what they were if they both play as seniors. It's just going to be different ways that they do their things. So if we wrap up on on this topic, especially with Bowman coming back, the only other really issue is having missed an extended period of, of time do you guys see him hitting the ground running next year? Any potential issues that you guys can see? Probably or, not. Yeah, I think it's going to take him a little while to work his way back up to where his game was when he left high school. The biggest thing that we're going to see, I think, this next year is this team is going to be taking a long time to develop chemistry. It's going to be a lot of young guys who haven't played much together, and they're really going to have to have some growing pains. So I, it's not really a Bowman argument for me. It's it's he may be solid. He's going to have his, his freshman mistakes. You know, the biggest thing I think when you haven't played organized games in a while is the fact that you need that there's some sloppiness that may sink in when you're not used to playing a certain way. And it's is that going to be an issue for him? I don't know how long that takes to work through. You know, it may be something by by the time the non-conference is over, he's he's kind of into it. But from a skill standpoint and being able to know what you're doing, playing with the guys that you're with, I feel like that really is something that's going to take time for the team to gel with completely. It's just knowing where guys are going to move when they don't have the ball and stuff like that. You know, is he going to take a step in? Is he going to take a step back? You know, do they know the offense with these guys? 
because it's not something like, you know, we see with an older team like this, where ideally guys should be making moves that are just second nature. That's not going to be happening next year. So for our second segment on today's show, we wanted to touch in on football recruiting and specifically talk about the lone verbal commitment in the 2022 class, which is quarterback Miles Burkett from Franklin High School in Wisconsin. So Justin, why don't you uh, take over Miles Burkett? What are your thoughts? This is such an odd recruiting class this year with coaches really not being able to get new film on guys and having odd seasons and everything. I, I'll admit I'm a little bit concerned uh, with the last two classes and what we've seen from the quarterback position and our recruiting there. We've been really strong. I really like Graham Mertz. I'm obviously everybody really liked Graham Mertz. And to be quite honest, I'm a huge Deacon Hill fan. His, his physical tools are exceptional for a high school kid. Um, now, obviously, we don't know what either of those guys truly are at this point. But the things that kind of scare me a little bit on Burkett are that when I watch the film, he doesn't have a huge arm. He's, he's solidly accurate with his passes. However, he's also throwing to a lot of open guys. It's not like he's throwing tight windows and stuff like that. And that's the thing that, you know, scares me a little bit there. He is athletic. He is He's a little bit more of a dual threat than we're used to in the Wisconsin uh, quarterbacks that we brought in of recent. Um, I question whether he's going to be a plus athlete at that, at the college level. I think he will be able to run around some, and I think he will be mobile. So I think, you know, he's, he's definitely more athletic than, than Jack Cohen was this last year. He's a guy who probably will run a little bit, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that we're going to be looking at and saying, this is Russell Wilson out there. He's going to get us 60 yards rushing in this game. So the, the big thing to me is, is I, he's a guy who's a lot more, flexible in terms of some of the things that you can do with him, I guess, at the college level. But what my concern is, is does he have the physical tools that if we play a team like Ohio state, where we need a quarterback to make some high level things happen, that does he have that talent level in him? This is probably the most polarizing uh, quarterback recruit in state for Wisconsin, uh, maybe ever. (laughs) Um, There have been people who have been Miles Burkett fans. Uh, There are people who are absolutely uh, against uh, getting Miles Burkett. And a lot of it has to do with, as Justin stated, his arm strength. Uh, He also has a a very funky delivery. His his ball goes all over the place. Uh, It's a different ball each time. These are things that can be worked out with proper coaching. The arm strength issue, you know, it it could or it couldn't be a problem. It depends on if he's accurate or not. Uh, We've had quarterbacks before at Wisconsin who don't have a ton of arm strength, but as long as they can hit an open guy within like, you know, 20 yards down the field, the offense still functions. Uh, The mobility is what I think makes this a good offer and a good commit. Uh, The mobility and the leadership. Uh, uh, Burkett has shown. I'm sorry, Burkett. I don't want to mispronounce this. Burkett has shown already since he committed that he wants to be a leader in this class. Uh, he's already taking recruits, you know, on unofficial tours around Madison. Uh, that is invaluable for any recruiting class is to have somebody who wants to function as the leader and the person who tries to tie everybody together. And that's what Wisconsin's had in the last couple of recruiting classes that have made them really gel together have been guys who are very, very closely knit. 
And um, so far, he seems to be all about that and trying to show the qualities of a leader. Uh, the mobility, Wisconsin hasn't had a really mobile quarterback in a long time, probably not since Russell Wilson have we had a quarterback who can make you pay with his legs. I realize Jack Cohn, you know, has, has scrambled a couple times for a touchdown, but uh, this is this is the next level beyond that. Yeah, He's a true we, dual threat. We, we definitely don't want <laughs> – didn't want Cohen being a guy who was making that a major part of his game. I it's thought okay to sure fool they were going to go full, while, but definitely. Not. I thought they were going to go full triple option with Jack Cohen. I really full ninety five Nebraska. Get yep. him out on the edge where he's a true full, weapon. Full but Tommy now, Frazier. Yeah, yeah I was exactly. going to say. Listen, I, I want you to watch this Tommy Frazier footage. This is how we envision you. <laughs> and now he's at Notre Dame. So that's, this is <laughs> yeah, what happens perfect. when you do this sort of if stuff. That's how, if that's how he plays against us, if they use him in the triple option, I will be more than happy to play Notre Dame. Yeah, he's time. not going to finish that game if that's how they use him <laughs> against us. And nobody wants that because we all love we all love JC. Yeah. We're JC fans here. I, yeah, I like the, I like the pickup. Yeah, I like I like the pickup of, of Burkett. I like it for a couple reasons. Even though I think I think two things can be um, true here. I, there's a physical limitation to his arm. It just is what it is. Like if you watch his film, you really, and I encourage anyone who listens, you don't have to be a elite 11 quarterback coach counselor to watch his film and say, wow, that is a funky delivery. And that ball does not look great all the time. It just, it is what it is. So I think there's probably some physical limitations there, but I like it for the reasons of, first of all, he's an in-state kid. He can really help get momentum on what is a very important in-state class in a year where we have, are going to have trouble getting people from out of state to visit. Like this is the times of, of COVID. This is a really big in-state class. Landing an in-state quarterback, I think, has some intangible. And I think that's kind of what, John, you were saying. There's some intangible benefits to getting that kid on board and getting this class rolling. I think people are freaking out about this a little bit more than they need to in some cases. Because I know everyone wants a four-star quarterback or at least a high three-star. And look, um, Burkett is... Um, He's what is he a uh, uh, high uh, mid three star on the recruiting services? He's a high three star, high mid, three star, mid to high three star. So it's not like Wisconsin. It's not like Wisconsin. Okay, so an eighty six on the and the twenty four seven ratings. It's not like Wisconsin scraping the bottom of the barrel with this commitment. Uh, this was a kid who was going to go to a FBS school, uh, maybe even a Power Five school somewhere. So. It, Everyone wants a four-star quarterback every year. They want Graham Mertz every single year. Well, it's not always going to happen, or it's not going to happen consistently for a while. So for everyone who's who's panicked about the fact that, oh, no, we've got a big gap with Miles Burkett, let's not jump the gun here yet. I don't necessarily – see, I'm not somebody who totally gets hung up on ratings. I want to see the film and see a guy who I think projects. And a lot of the times for me, the biggest thing, obviously, as a quarterback is going to be his arm. Um, I'm not saying that he he can't be a functional quarterback by any means, but that's when I look at it, I don't like seeing us take a year where I don't see the physical tools that I look at and say, can this guy be a difference maker with his arm? I don't see that with Burkett. I think he's a guy who I think can be a solid quarterback, but he's not a guy that I feel confident that if we're going to be going into, say, Ohio State in a huge game for us and we need him to throw for 250, 300 yards, that that's going to be easy. And that it's not going to be for most of the guys, but I, I think you look at it like you look at Graham Mertz and Deacon Hill from the physical tool standpoint. You can see the yes, you can see those throws where he can he can they can cause problems in a defense. And when you have that arm strength, that that to me is the biggest thing because 
there are split second throws that can be made with wide receivers where even our average Wisconsin wide receivers that nobody looks at as being these incredible guys, they're open for a split second and it closes quickly against the Ohio state guys. And having that arm strength where you see it and you throw it, you can catch that extra step. Well, let's not go overboard. Makes the catch rather than it being broken up. Let's not go overboard here. Cause if we're saying, it's, it's Hey, just... we need this quarterback to throw 250 to 300 yards against Ohio state, or we're not going to win. Wisconsin's not going to win anyway. Cause we don't really have quarterbacks who can do that. I, I think outside of Russell Wilson, we haven't ever had a quarterback who can throw for that many yards against Ohio state. But, but that's what I'm saying. If what we, if what some of us as fans are looking for this team to become, you need a quarterback. I'm not saying that they do that on a weekly basis. I'm saying that they're capable of going into a big game. And if that's the way the defense is playing you, then they're going to punish you for playing that way. And I think that that's the goal is to have a guy, if you're going to, if you're going to play eight, nine in the box and we're going to single cover on the outside, we want a quarterback that's going to exploit that. You want a guy who can potentially hit a ceiling that allows them to make those big throws in certain games is, is what you're saying. I would say, to, to go back to your point where you're not sure if the arm on Burkett is ever going to necessarily allow that, the thing with Burkett, and we talked about it a little bit, maybe we didn't talk about it enough, I know, John, you brought it up, is with Burkett, it's not just an arm thing, it's the arm plus the legs. So he doesn't necessarily have to just win with his arms on those throws. Even if he's not going to be um, a Lamar Jackson, Colin Kaepernick-type runner, I think he runs well enough to be a difference maker in that aspect of the game where he doesn't have to be a great thrower. And that may be all that they need. You know, mm-hmm. okay, so fine, he's not going to hit a guy 40 yards down the field with a pinpoint pass, but then again, Ohio State's not going to be able to drop seven or eight guys back into coverage and just right. wait. Because he can pick up a key third down on the ground. He can, which is, by the way, that's what Cohen did. That's what Cohen did in the first half of the Ohio State game last year, or two years ago, where we almost beat him. Like Cohen hurt them on with his feet in the first half. And that's really what kept us in the game and, and got us that lead. And, and I'm not going to say that the kid's going to be a failure. I'm going to flat out say that. I don't know what he's become. I think that we get way too on this. We all, we all saw Graham Mertz come in and expected him to be the greatest thing ever. And I think most of us will look at him now and it's like, we want, we want to see him prove it this year. He, he's got a lot of physical talents. And there's a lot of these guys that come in that have physical talent when they come in and it just never manifests into anything. And so the goal is, you know, if you get a guy who can play the high level mental game at the college level, it's, it's a major factor, mm-hmm. you know, that was Tolzien. yeah. And I, I thought, I thought he had a strong arm Tolzien, but I never thought that he was a guy that had an absolute cannon. It was, it was, it was a, it was a solid NFL arm. It was not a guy who was going to make huge plays, but it was definitely, he was accurate and he knew where he was going with the ball basically the second it was snapped. So not to transition too harshly here, but in terms of, okay, so Miles Burkett is the first commit. Uh, Where do we go from here? I guess is my question, because now you sort of have to, you've got your quarterback, you want to surround him with players. Uh, right now, Wisconsin has, I want to say, eight bazillion offers out to virtually every high-profile wide receiver uh, recruit in the country for 2022. Uh, probably not going to get virtually any of the top guys we offered. So moving forward here, um, what are some of the players that uh, have caught your eyes in terms of guys to surround him with weapons for myself i'm looking at some of the um, wide receivers the lower wide receivers that we've offered the high or mid three stars we talked about this before uh vinnie anthony out of uh, kentucky yep. 
is a is he's he's actually one like I really a, like. Yeah, he looks like a pretty dynamic playmaker and a guy who's might be underrated right now, and I feel like we should jump on him immediately. Matthew Golden, who uh, uh, I can't remember if he's from, I believe he's Texas. Matthew Golden is from Houston, Texas. And he's another wide receiver, bigger wide receiver, which Wisconsin yep. needs more of. High three-star, borderline yep. four-star almost. Yeah, right and those, yep, that is that is the area where Wisconsin right now should be looking for wide receivers. Um, they're talking about only taking two. I honestly think they should take three. I know this is a smaller I, class. I think this is a really interesting class because it will be the first time that we get to see Whitted really dive into recruiting. And he has thrown a lot of offers out early here. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how his, what he targets plays out. And it's obviously not something that we're going to know for a few years here, but from what I'm seeing, there are certain traits that seem to really stick out with him compared to what we previously had. I, I feel like the thing that frustrated me the most with our previous recruiting classes at the wide receiver position is we seem to have almost like a, like we had a mannequin fitting a uniform. It was, you're going to be six foot thinner frame, solid speed, but nothing spectacular, you know, decent ball skills, but nobody that you're, you're looking at. That's just a freak. I think Danny Davis was a guy that we saw that had, some ability to catch in traffic, but he wasn't a guy that necessarily really exploded since we've had him here. And this is one of those, you know, chicken or egg questions is, you know, was, was Danny Davis, did, has Danny Davis underachieved to this point in his career, considering how Wisconsin's offense works or has he done about as well as he could considering, you know, how this right. offense is. So I think you could look at Cephas though, as an example of a guy who was able to flourish a little bit in our offense. And he had a bigger frame. He had a bigger frame. And, and he's also a guy, you know, you talked about the sweet spot of Wisconsin recruiting where previously we had looked for a certain mold and I agree, but to go back to John, it also is a bit of a chicken and egg thing. The certain mold guys are the guys we could also get, you know, so we found Cephas, you're talking about our best receiver we've had. That was a guy that was a basketball recruit that we've essentially found. And see, flipped. I, I disagree with that because I think there are guys to be had out there. You just have to take a look and and what you're doing a lot of the times with the, with frame is if you're going to go for a bigger guy, you maybe have to to accept the fact that he may not be a burner. He may be a guy that you're projecting and hoping that his speed comes around a little bit, but are you going to bank on the fact that he has physicality and the ability to box out? So he may be more possession oriented, but if he's a six, three kid who can, who can get, position on a corner and make plays because of that, that's not necessarily different than having speed. And you could say to some extent, if you can physically take care of the man that's on you, it's harder to cover than dealing with speed and hoping that you can create separation. Constantly. I think Wisconsin's biggest problem with recruiting at wide receiver and surrounding quarterbacks with weapons has always been uh, that they don't recruit guys who are burners. They recruit guys who have, you know, decent Everybody speed. recruits burners. <laughs> and only a few teams can get them. Well, true. But at the same time, Wisconsin doesn't exactly put an emphasis on speed in their recruiting, or they haven't in their last few classes. And we've seen a lot of these kids flame out, whether that's, you know, and that may be a little unfair. Some of them got hurt and, you know, that's not their fault really. So, uh, but 
some of these guys were just, you know, they were average athletes and there was a reliance on them to develop beyond that. And maybe they just weren't capable of it. Maybe they weren't given a chance to, maybe the switch of wide receiver coaches now has, has hurt them in how, what the expectations are. Uh, but to draw back to uh, the current recruiting class, upcoming one and the, the one we just got, um, we've seen Wisconsin upgrade a little bit in terms of the style of targets that were out there and who we were going after. Um, so I think that uh, they absolutely need to get some more wide receiver weapons. I would not mind a two tight end class. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would I would really like to see two of them brought in. Uh, they absolutely have to bring in someone at running back. I think we're all pretty much in agreement on that. I know there's been a lot yeah. of talk that they won't bring in another running back in this class. I think that'd be a mistake. Numbers. And I do think that they're going to take their time and really figure out who they want there. And I think that that's, that position has been impacted a great deal by COVID and how they're acting with their offers and who they want to actually target that they really don't want to go out there unless it's somebody that they know is going to be. See, I just think it'd be stunning for a team like Wisconsin that relies so heavily on a ground game without any established players in the pipeline and a lot of injury questions to not take a running back in a cycle. To Justin's point, they're going to let it play out. But at the end of the day, if they've let it play out in the high three, low four star guys that we, we look at, all fall through the cracks by them and they go to other schools. I think they'll find a, a flyer to take on a hyper athletic kid or they'll find somebody they're going to take a running back. I'd be stunned if they didn't. The position is too I, important. I agree. And that's, I know we took three this last year, but I think there's, there's legitimate questions about whether Acker is going to be a guy that's going to stick at running back. And I think that loyal Crawford has some injury concerns. So I guess we'll see how he does in this spring, his spring season here. That's going to be coming up. I'm really hopeful that the kid stays healthy and I hope he blows up. I'd love to see him, you know, have a huge year. That being said, guys, let's go ahead and we're going to move on to our discussing the spring here with the spring season for football. We're going to go over to our spring concern for the spring football, Wisconsin Badgers uh, was announced earlier this last week that they will be starting on March 30th. Going into this, we're going to just go ahead and kind of as an early start to this before we get some more content out to you guys, look into what each of our each of us have as a concern from the spring practices this year. I can start it off. That There's a lot of things that we could go into, but there's one that I really wanted to bring up just in the way that Wisconsin typically needs to win games. We're against elite teams. We're not going to out-talent them all the time, so our special teams need to be solid. And really what we've seen, especially last year in the kicking department, punt returns, our special teams have been – no, I wouldn't even say they've been average. Uh, we don't have a kicker that is able to hit – past 40 yards consistently our kickoffs um we lost our ability to get touchbacks we were 13th in the conference last year in punt return yardage we averaged 2.92 yards per punt return i mean i, I just want i just want that number um 2.92 keep in mind jack dunn was not returning punts. Does it, does that and that's not even a done thing by the way that's Everybody wanted to see Dean Ingram and someone else back there. We averaged 2.92 yards. It's stunning how how bad that is. Our punting game was 10th in average punts. We don't have a kicker who can hit from distance. It's just an issue. And we're not going to win close games against really good teams if we can't hit clutch field goals or we can't flip field position. I think we need to give our um, our incredibly uh, jacked up punter, uh, Michael, is it? No, it's Andy. It's Vanovich. Andy. 
Andy. It's Andy Voinovich. Sorry, Andy, if you, if you ever hear this, I apologize. <laughs> on, scholarship, on scholarship now, by the way, which yes, is awesome. Yes, on scholarship. And uh, that, that dude is ripped. But um, he, uh, he had some boomers. And he just, I think a lot of that was inconsistency, uh, which was pretty much the mainstay of last year's team was, hey, look at us. Oh, we're really bad again. Hey, we're, oh. and it would be from play to play. It wouldn't even be from game to game. I think that the punting issues, um, that, that doesn't concern me as much. I was concerned about um, being able to kick a field goal because I'm still not convinced Colin Larsh can is, be consistent you know, even from 35 yards, uh, he's pretty much an extra point kicker right now. And even that's a little dicey occasionally. And that's no offense to Colin Larsh. I mean, he's a walk-on, so I get that. Um, another walk-on, Jack Van Dyke, he just got here last year and, you know, did the kickoffs. He's only, he was only a freshman. I did see him, he did get some in the end zone so it's not like he's completely incapable of doing so the return game is an absolute uh imperative to, like you said the three yards not even three yards a carry you can fall forwards for three yards you don't you don't even have to run so that needs to definitely improve i'll agree with that and i, I agree wholeheartedly on the the field the place kicking I, I, it isn't definitely an issue, and it's it's a legitimate fear. With what we saw from a field goal standpoint, I'm scared to death that we're going to end up shanking an extra point, and it's going to end up costing us a game. You know, and rather than going to overtime, we end up losing by one. If so, we wind I up mean, with Minnesota's special teams, we're going to be upset. Yes, right. for sure. Well, and the 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 other issue is it's going to be have to be one of the internal options for kicking. I I agree with you. I'm fine with Vooge as the punter. I thought he looked, even though it was inconsistent, I thought he looked good enough last year where I'm, I'm, I don't have issues there. But he had a, it's, he had a couple of rough ones, but it, yeah. He, he, was, he also he was had solid. Coffin cornered a couple. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine did with Vooge. Did you just call him Vooge? Vooge. Is that's, that even like you just didn't want to say his last name? I feel like that's a, a <laughs> I, I guarantee you people on the team call him Vooge. There's no way they don't. It's too easy. Um, I would well, they say. Were, they might now. Calm guns. It's too easy. <laughs> yeah. It's too easy. But one of the internal kickers, and they're both, it's going to be Larsh or it's going to be Van Dyke, both walk-ons. One of them has to get better internally. Like, the improvement has to come internally. So I believe we have another kicker coming in uh, this year. I'd have we had another walk-on come in, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it's special teams is a um, position where we just, we haven't been strong for a few years now. Uh, we were, a lot of things were covered up by having uh, a guy who could boot the ball out of the stadium and into a neighboring zip code. And without that, a lot of warts start to show up. And we have not had a good, we've had actually had a punting game that has cost us uh, a couple of wins. So uh, correcting special teams, I, you're right. I think that's got to be one of the top yeah. three priorities. Well, John, what was your concern for this year? My concern for this year is going to be, uh, I want to see what happens with the offensive line. Last year's offensive line was not the best offensive line Wisconsin's ever had. Uh, it was particularly weak on the interior. I don't want to say weak because those guys are all 300 pounds. So um, weak may be the wrong word, just not dominant as it had been in the past. And Caden Lyles um, at center is really entering a crucial year for him. 
he has not delivered up to this point and not all that has been his fault. Injuries and position moves have wrecked havoc with his career. But this is sort of the make or break season for him in his fifth year uh, as to whether or not he can actually put it together and get it done. Uh, everyone else on the interior of the line, there are questions with virtually every one of them. And Wisconsin just doesn't have right now anyone who really pops out as you know this dominant player. Logan Bruss is probably the closest thing at right guard to a sure thing we have on the offensive line, or at least the interior. And there's a lot of talk about moving some of those great tackle recruits that Wisconsin's had in the last three years inside the guard, because there's just nobody that really pops out. So I'm curious to see what happens with the center and uh, left guard positions in particular. For me, center is wide open. I, I think Sampson and with another year and off, a full offseason Bordellini, if he can get some mass put on. he The kid fought. He, he came in and played in a game that he was not expected to be a part of at all. And yeah, he got pushed around a little bit because he's physically he's not there yet. But as a true freshman, went out there and he fought. And that's what I want to see from a lineman. I want to see if a guy comes in there that it may be ugly. It may not be perfect every time, but what he's going to do is he's not going to just let get pushed around. And I felt like the kid gave what he could. Now he's, he's a kid that when he physically develops, I think is going to be a real player. I think Sampson and him are both quite a bit more athletic than what we've seen from Lyles who, yeah, he's had some injury issues, but he's not a guy who's overly mobile. And I think we've seen in the past what can happen if we have a center that, can, you know, it really helps our running game. If you have a guy that you can start putting out on the edge and stuff like that. Right. The old Peter Cons that could pull out on the sweep and take out a linebacker. I'd be hard pressed to see Lyles not starting at center next year. This staff is extremely loyal to players that have put in the time and have battled through injuries, which I think is a good thing. Like, I don't mean that as, as a dig. I think it, it's a it's a compliment or a commendable thing to do. We saw with Deaton in the past who was getting starts when he probably shouldn't have at times. I think Lyles is probably the starter. He's a guy that played defensive line to help out for a year with injuries, which that set him back. It's unfortunate that he had to do that. I will say this though. The difference there is that Deaton had actually played a fair amount and Lyles really hasn't had a ton of games that he's played out there. He's played a lot now though. And especially though, part of it is when you factor in that he played defensive line for a year like this, I just, I just think if all things are even close to equal, Lyles is going to be the starter because the staff is going to remember that he sucked it up and played defensive line for a year, which, again, I don't mean that as a dig, but I don't know if Bordellini's this next year ready to overtake a fifth-year Lyles is what I'm saying I, from a physical standpoint. I would standpoint. agree with that. I think, I think Samson's more likely. Sure. I just think Bordellini showed that he has – there's some ability there. We got to see something from a kid oh, absolutely. who was definitely not ready to play. And he didn't and cave. He, he, yeah, he definitely fought out. You could say just strictly, even if he was physically ready, it wouldn't have shocked me if he got pushed around from the fact that he wouldn't have had the technique down yet. And he definitely was not a kid that, you know, even if he wasn't perfect, he was he was doing what he could to try to hold ground. And he, yeah, for his sake, got pushed around a little bit. But I, I think that that's the area, and I agree with you, John, is that the offensive line is an area that I'm concerned with too. I think that we've been a little weak on the interior of the line the last couple of years. And I think that we, in 19 even, we we kind of got Bjadic that was so good that he kind of covered up the guards. And I think that he really made them look better than they likely were. And the concern that I have, uh, Wisconsin has gone on a trend, and most of college football has gone this way, of taking weight off of offensive linemen, uh, making them smaller, uh, trying to get more flexibility and more movement out of them. 
but I don't know that that's cor that corresponds to an increase in blocking efficiency, and it certainly hasn't at Wisconsin. Uh, Caden Lyles, I think, is playing at roughly 10 pounds less than he was uh, when he was a redshirt freshman. And that's true almost across the offensive line to a man. They don't seem to want to have anybody get over 315, 320 pounds. Wisconsin used to be replete with offensive linemen who weighed in excess of 325 pounds. And uh, since they've gone smaller, I haven't noticed a corresponding rise in the amount of athleticism, the amount of uh, ability to pull, which used to be the bread and butter of Wisconsin's offensive line blocking or plays where they would pull out two interior linemen and come around the side with a tight end. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, and I think it's because the, the, there's been no corresponding increase in mobility. You think it's a talent thing though? So my, my comment to that would be, it's probably the players that we've had lately, especially on the interior, guys like Seltzner. We we don't have a, a Zietler in there anymore. We don't have Wagner on the, the tackle. I, I, I think we dropped weight off guys that were probably a little too heavy, but they're not as necessarily intrinsically athletic as the guys we had previously anyway. I just think the talent level's been down for the upperclassmen. I, and I, I, I like your point because I, I am very curious on if there's an, an organizational shift to get the linemen lighter because they are lighter. Although wait till uh, Trey Wade gets in here. That that dude's a bulldozer. He's not going to weigh 315. But well, I, I, hope I not. think <laughs> no, that dude's a bulldozer. He's going to be a right tackle. Do you I, think that they had marginal athletes there and that's why they dropped the weight? It was simply I think they so. didn't think they could afford to have guys weigh in at 325 I, or they were too limited athletically to be a problem. I think the guys we've had there recently haven't been as good as the guys we had five, six, seven years ago. And that's why well, they now you took just sound like an old them. man. Listen to you. Five <laughs> or six or seven years ago, Wisconsin well, I mean, offensive I mean, linemen were so athletic they were doing splits. We we are and, comparing Peter Gons, yeah. Zeitler, Karimi, Wagner yeah. to the, Burton, Peter Gons was not a fantastic athlete. He was a okay. great athlete. He was drafted in the third round as a center. Like Peter Gons was a great athlete as a center. I, I have he, to disagree. He but he also he weighed three hundred and fifty pounds. I think, he was, I think he was athletic. You know, looking at that, I think that's a fair thing to say. Is that if you look back when we were truly dominant in the trenches, none of the teams, even even the the Sports Illustrated four linemen cover, none of those guys were remotely close to the teams that we were putting out there in 2010 and 2011 on the offensive line. Like the NFL talent on those guys was, if anyone goes back and watches the 2010 Ohio State game and how dominant that offensive line was in that game, they flat out were pushing the Ohio State defensive line three or four yards off the ball on certain plays. And we have not seen an offensive line do that against some of the worst teams in our league. We have run for a lot of yards, but we also had Jonathan Taylor, which is probably the best running back that Wisconsin's ever seen behind Melvin Gordon from an from an actual skill set. Yeah, Ron Dane's going to one... cross things to save you, sir. <laughs> I mean, we'll get him on the show. <laughs> And he also ran with some pretty darn good offensive yeah, lines back in that day. But I'm talking strictly from the ability to to make up for the the lack of blocking. Let me sidestep really quick, though, and then not – I don't want to derail this whole talk, but I just want to sidestep really quick when you talk about the 2010 team and how dominant that offensive line was. That running game was also dominant because teams couldn't load up and avoid our pass game, though. We had two NFL receivers on that team and a senior Tolzien. 
So I'm just saying the part of it that we haven't had recently is is that passing element, which forces teams to at least respect. You know, it's harder to push eight people off the off, off the off the line of scrimmage than it is seven or six. That team had Toon and Aberderis and a senior Tolzine who it was a very Did it comp- have, yeah was Aberderis part yeah, of that? Yeah, that was a, that was a 2000. Sure? Oh yeah, that was a 2000. He was offense. in 2011. He was, he was a 10. big factor. Was I a, thought he, he was, was a sophomore. He played in, in 10 and, and he was the second receiver. Like it was a very good offense that had a very competent passing game. That's all I'm saying. Like the whole ecosystem works. In but look conjunction. at the statistics from that season. Are we playing a little revisionist history? No, here, no. Tolzien was very that, good. He won. He was the best. He won the award for the best senior he, quarterback that but year. But that that was driven more by efficiency than it was driven passing by passing efficiency. This is exactly huge, my point. Huge though. numbers. No, but that's exactly but my saying, point. Like I'm not saying we need to do huge numbers. I'm saying you need to have an efficient passing game that the defense can't load the box because Tolzien would make them pay. Even in that Ohio State game, Ohio State came back. People. Forget that we jumped on the lead. Ohio State came back, and then Tolzien hit a critical third down conversion to two and to, to basically put that game away. That's my only point. The, the the recent passing game has made it very hard for offensive line to push everyone around. And then we can jump back on. I, like I said, I didn't want to derail it too yeah. far. No, I agree. I think it's something. The question I'm having now is that we we are, our classes seem to be getting out of balance with the offensive line, and there's a li- a little bit of fear on my side that we're getting very tackle heavy. And can these bigger bodies transition interior if we need to? You know, you can probably slide a guy who's six six inside, but if you start getting these some of these six seven, six eight guys, if you're trying to get your best lineman on the field, they may not fit well there. So you're going to have to, you know, start doing some things there where we need to balance out these classes and kind of get the bodies that fit a little bit more seamlessly into the interior of the line. And so I'm kind of looking at it here, and I'm hopeful that some of these guys can cannot transition but you know hopefully we we see this team really come together this year and we see a a strong line that being said i'm going to go ahead and transition to my concern for this year again is staying with the offense you know i i think you could go wide receiver i think you could go quarterback for me it's strictly you know chemistry in the passing game i it was a huge area that was a, a problem this year and i realized we had a lot of underclassmen that were playing and we had a very new quarterback that was out there learning who did not have his wide receiver depth so he was really basically going out there playing with a bunch of people who did not know what they were doing and that was both him and his receivers and it's a problem that i'm i'm definitely leery of heading into this year we need to see massive step forward from both the wide receivers and the quarterback going into this year. Because if we don't have our traditional running game, we could be in for a really rough year offensively. I think this is a problem that's going to be corrected this season just because there's going to be actual practice time, hopefully, and regular um, regular practice sessions. Paul Christ is now taking things over. Uh, not to say that John Budmeyer couldn't teach quarterbacks how to do things, but Paul Christ is is the acknowledged master. And if he's not, then uh, we've been approaching our, our look at Paul Christ completely wrong if he, in fact, can't teach quarterbacks how to do these things. Chemistry issues, a lot of freshmen and redshirt freshmen and sophomores thrown into situations they weren't meant to be in. And I think that practice makes perfect uh, it's a huge cliche, but I'm going to use it because I that's the best way to describe it, I think. Yeah, I'm going to dovetail onto that. I actually agree a lot with uh, what what John just said. I think last year was such an aberration for the way it specific. Everyone had to deal with COVID. Every program had to to some degree. But the way it specifically hit Wisconsin's offensive weapons, both the top receivers went out. Our quarterback was the starting quarterback was hurt. So Mertz was kind of thrown into a spot where he didn't have a lot of reps. He didn't have his top two weapons. And by the way, we're breaking in a new offensive play caller. 
like when we're talking about offensive chemistry, passing game chemistry, the play calling and, and all of that stuff is a big deal. Well, we're going back to at least someone who is very familiar in that role. He's going to understand the chemistry of it. He's worked with these receivers for a long time. I think everything's going to be better about this next year with our passing game chemistry. So this is one I actually feel pretty good about. And Mertz with now full off season, he's been the unquestion starter. Like coming into a season as the unquestioned starter and not having Cohen on the sideline, I think it's a big deal. I'm, I'm ca- cautiously optimistic heading into this. I would like to think with the practice time that we see a massive leap forward in terms of just comfort from everybody. I definitely think it was an aspect. It, for me, it's more of the issue there is that I haven't seen it. And the we, we have two games where the offense was just flat out, just inept and in watching against Indiana and Northwestern where it was just like, this isn't even... I don't even know what we're watching. This doesn't look like football. Like there's kids in junior high that look like they're more competent than this at times. It's it's an area where I I still think that Graham Mertz has it in him to be a kid who ends up being an NFL quarterback. Now he's got a long ways to go, and we could definitely see a, a huge leap from him with a full off season here and the time actually getting the spring reps where he can get more or less the biggest thing that I take away from this. He didn't get the opportunity to find those plays that he truly feels comfortable with going into last year where the offense, where the quarter, the coach had those plays where he's like, I know what you need here. We're going to dial up this play because it's something that I know that that helps build your confidence and makes you feel good moving forward so we can start branching out. And I don't think they got those opportunities to create any of those plays. And we didn't have it with the receivers either. DK was not ready for his role in that offense. And I think he's very, he'll be a very skilled receiver. I think we see a huge jump from both him and Chandler this year. I don't necessarily feel that they're guys who are going to statistically look like massive playmakers. However, I think that they're going to have like I w- it would not shock me to see 20 catches out of both of them this year. I think that they're going to force their way into the field. I think they're the two most athletic receivers that we have, and they have the biggest frames. So coming into this year, I think that we could see just weight room gains from them being guys that are going to be bigger problems to cover as opposed to Davis and Pryor. They're kind of they're at their ceilings. Well, getting Fergie back is, is huge as well. Oh, for sure. Like you get Fergie back, he's going to be healthy, and then your point – on on Chimre is is 100%. Like now he he showed all the flashes last year. Now he has a normal spring, a normal fall, a normal off season, relatively normal in the times we live in, but relatively normal. He can make a massive jump next year. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Chimre DK is going to be a star by the time he leaves Wisconsin. Oh, maybe, for sure. I think maybe, he's an NFL kid. Maybe not an All-American, but like a, a Quintez Cephas, maybe even a faster Quintez Cephas I, I, type of player. I, I think he's going to be a guy that, that gets you eight or 900 yards in his senior season and, and probably six or seven touchdowns, which will probably get him drafted. Now, he, his ceiling above, above that, if everything went perfectly, I think he's a guy who can show, you know, three top, what, third round NFL talent. I think he's got that type of athleticism. He's got speed. He's got a good frame. He has a good frame. And he's yeah. a guy who seems to be a good route runner. So if he really puts it together, he could be a difference making type receiver at Wisconsin. Which receiver think, which receiver leads Wisconsin in receptions next year? I think it'll be Davis. Davis. I'm pretty I, I think, certain. It's I think he's be just Davis. the yeah. he's he's just the guy who's got the the most comfortable in the system and everything else. But that being said, I think the scariest guy is not going to be Davis this next year. I think there's gonna be a guys who if if Mertz gets comfortable with them, I, it wouldn't shock me if DK is a guy who has a couple of games where he absolutely explodes. Wisconsin for 130 yards. Wisconsin also needs another tight end to 
Uh, I think Rucci, I was going to actually jump to that when you brought up Ferguson. I think Hayden Rucci is going to be a a solid second receiver this year for the tight end group. I mean, that'd be enormous because he's a great blocker. And we're not talking significant numbers. I think maybe 10 catches. It's putting up a putting up, you know, a guy who's going to be mostly used as a blocker. But if he sneaks out and he grabs you, if eight of those catches are first downs, that's a big deal. What about Berger? That keeps driving with. What about Berger getting 15 to 20 catches? Until I see them make a concerted effort to really push him as a receiver, I, I'm not going to go out there and expect anything huge from him. I would love to see it. I would love to see him go out there and get 20 catches for us as a running back. Do I think that he's going to get that type of use? I, I don't know. We're very young at the receiver group in general this year. So it's it's basically, I think that we'll see a fair amount of whatever's working we're going to push you know davis and Pryor. if they don't pick up the slack here we're going to see a kind of a youth movement i think do you guys see jack eschenbach as being a player who can make a contribution at tight end in terms of being the receiving tight end he certainly has the frame like he has the the type of build and frame you'd look for the coaches uh seem to be very high on him for for a walk on that came in It, it wouldn't stun me i mean I think he's probably competing for Jalen Franklin with that role, right? To be that kind of I would flex so. tight end that could that can create and mismatches. And Frank Franklin from, is an is an interesting one to bring up because he could very well be somebody who pops this year. Well, he from, could also be a guy who disappears what, into. Uh, he know, could be very nowhere true. land. He could be. He's a boom. He's a he's a total boomer bust player. But from the like little I, flashes he saw, and again, we don't see practice, so we have to assume he didn't show all those flashes in practice all the times. Jalen Franklin on the defensive end or outside linebacker position, but he looked like a guy who could be an impact player on the edge. So for them to actually move him when he's still pretty young, to me, the optimistic me says that means they really think he could be that flex tight end. And if he's that guy, then Eschenbach probably isn't making a big difference, would be my opinion. I think that the move there had a lot more to do with his inability to gain mass, because if you can play him, if he has the quickness to basically play as like a a big wide receiver, he's already that big. He's going to be a guy who's going to be around 220 and you're not looking for him to get involved in the, you know, blocking too much. You know, it's going to be chipping down and stuff like that most likely because it'll be coming out of the slot. So, you know, he's, I think that we're kind of, uh, he's got some flexibility there, but I think at the beginning of the season, at least it's going to be Eschenbach. He's going to be the guy that's going to get those reps most likely until Franklin proves that he can, he knows what he's doing out there and that he's actually going to be a problem. So now I'm going to transition to our final topic to sort of wrap up the show. Um, Men's hockey, Uh, Wisconsin's men's hockey team uh, rose from the dead this season and has today won the big 10 regular season title, which is their first big 10 title, their first conference regular season title in 21 years. Um, I can tell you, I've been following Wisconsin men's hockey since I was a a wee lad. And uh, this is the most excited I've been for a Wisconsin men's hockey team in probably a decade. So this is, I think, a big deal this year for Wisconsin athletics, mainly because Wisconsin has been a men's hockey school for so long and then for a good seven years was completely irrelevant in college hockey. Um, so guys, any, any thoughts on the men's hockey program? Well, I mean, even after last year, I mean, last year they were, they were the worst team in the conference and to come out this year and win the the conference title is a huge deal. 
you know, I th- I know there's a lot of people that had, had started to wonder with Granado if he's going to be a guy who could, you know, do move the needle with the program. I think a lot of people and, gave up on Tony Granado after last season because it had been four years. And uh, there were a lot of people who were really disappointed in last season because the skilled players were all there. Uh, there's There haven't been a ton of, of uh, true freshmen who popped in this year. Um, Cole Caulfield, who is the Badgers star forward, uh, led the nation in scoring, probably going to win the Hobie Baker. Uh, he was here last year and Wisconsin was, was terrible last year, particularly on defense and in goal. And this year with uh, Robbie Badoon, who was a trans, a grad transfer. I can't remember from where I'm sorry, Robbie. Uh, but they also had Cam Rowe who was a true freshman who came in and had probably the best year a true freshman's had um, in goal for Wisconsin in a long, long time. They got consistent goaltending. They got, if not, the defense was a little inconsistent, but they, um, they came through in a big way this year as compared to previous years when Wisconsin's only hope was to win in a shootout. Um, they had the best power play in the country. Um, I think they're the only team in college hockey who went over hundred goals this year. And they've, they've really shown through this year. And it's probably the most positive with all the, with all the uh, uh, downward spiral of Wisconsin men's basketball this year, uh, with especially the losing lately. Um, the men's hockey team has really sort of provided the winter sports feel good story for Badger fans. The fact that they also uh, swept Minnesota in Mariucci, including a game where they really <laughs> just kicked them right in the family jewels, uh, eight to one. Uh, that and the fact that they stole the Big Ten title here in the last weekend, but thanks to a sweep and a Minnesota loss to Michigan. I never thought I'd say thank you, Michigan, but thank you, Michigan. Uh, I thought was was just just enormous uh, for for our prestige for for keeping the Gophers, you know, down where little brothers should be, and just raising Wisconsin's hockey profile back to the level of where it's supposed to be. Now we're going to see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, men's hockey tournament is coming up or the, the big 10 conference tournament, I should say is coming up this next week. Um, next Sunday, I believe is when it starts. The Badgers don't have to play till Monday. Thanks to that conference title. And then I'm pretty certain they're going to wind up in the uh, NCAA tournament. And I really do think it's this year, uh, frozen four or bust. So kudos to the men's. Hockey I was going to say, this is a team that the, Go ahead. This this record doesn't necessarily totally project what this team was because they had a lot of COVID issues earlier in the year. Oh, they were terrible earlier, in and the they year. really grew, grew. They grew as a team throughout the season, and they have been for the better part of like the last two months a really good team. When they were missing, they were missing a lot of guys. Not only, not just with COVID, but from playing on the world junior teams for Canada and the U.S. And I mean, they got swept by Arizona State earlier in this year. And it was, they gave up eight goals in one of those games. So they really got beaten. They, they won some big games too, but they really had some inexplicable losses where it just, you you felt like the same old, same old. And then they got all of their good players back and all of a sudden things have 
just started to click and they've been clicking pretty well for the last oh, yeah. couple of months. So it's what, what do they really, say? It was, they're like nine, one and one since we started switching up goalies. Uh, boy, I, there have been so many, uh, I, before today's game, it, uh, the, before today's game, I believe it was eight, eight, one and one since they started swapping out or starting each guy. Yeah. It's, it's really been, it's really been astonishing. Wisconsin has a lot of years, not even had one really steady goaltender that they could count on. So for, for us to get this far, and especially this weekend when we were missing, I, it was three or four guys who were out hurt, including our two top defensemen and our quarterback for the, the power play unit um, or the penalty kill. I don't know. I can't remember anymore, but uh, it was, it was regardless a pretty spectacular accomplishment. And if those guys can come back, Wisconsin's going to be a tough out. Um, North Dakota is this year, probably the most dominant team in college hockey. It's going to be really tough to beat them, but uh, just making it to the frozen four, I think would be a, a realistic accomplishment. So again, kudos to the men's hockey team for giving us some hope this winter and i'm not forgetting about women's volleyball but they're on a COVID break and women's hockey thank you again you're, oh, you're women's doing, hockey women's hockey is doing exactly what they they normally do so i it it's almost a shock to hear that they didn't win so again thank you ladies and men's hockey for for giving us a positive story all right on that we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for this week guys it is once again justin John and Ryan. If you want to check us out on Twitter, we are at the Bucky cast and until next time we will talk to you guys later. Peace out. Thanks guys.